This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time for Emergence News on Plains FM 96.9, citizen-made radio. Greetings to all. We welcome you to Emergence News broadcast via Plains FM Access Radio, giving voice to the people. For any new listeners, we're based in the beautiful garden city of Ototahi Christchurch, which is on the east coast of the South Island of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Today is a fabulous warm and sunny day. Spring is here, flowers are blooming and gardens are growing. It is truly a beautiful world we live in. However, as we all know, everyone in the world is facing challenges. Life is changing rapidly as we experience a pandemic and unprecedented climate changes. Unrest, protest, it is all happening around us. We on Emergence News like to bring you some hope and reassurance during these times of turmoil and trial. So far has humanity strayed off the path of forward evolution that some corrective measures are needed to bring us back into alignment with what the esoteric teachings call the plan of God. Luckily, we have never been alone. Walking always with us are a group of elder brothers we call the Masters of Wisdom, who know this plan of God and assist us. Here is what one of these Masters has to say in a message published through Share International. He says, We... The guardians of the race have a task of guiding and controlling, so far as we may without infringing free will, each evolutionary step made by man on his upward climb to divinity. In accordance with this responsibility, we lay down the guidelines for man to follow. We apply the needed stimulus and then watch and wait. So as he said, we've been gifted free will. Life is there for us to embrace and treasure or trash and abuse. We are allowed to choose. However, when it comes to the health of our planet, which is part of the body of our solar system, we will not be allowed to damage it beyond repair. With all that is happening with our climate and confronting a global virus, we are needing to focus on our stewardship of this beautiful Earth. We obviously have some lessons to learn. A hopeful sign that we are ready to learn and change is that alongside the Masters of Wisdom, the head of what we call the spiritual hierarchy is also here. Maitreya, the great Lord of Love, the Christ, the world teacher for this coming age of Aquarius, arrived on the planet in 1977 to help all of us end the age of separation and recognize ourselves as one human family, interconnected and interdependent. For this to happen, we have to witness and acknowledge all the corruption, all the selfishness, all the hatred that we as human beings are capable of. A great cleansing is happening. All the outworn and unworthy edifices of our civilization need to be dismantled and discarded, maintaining only that which serves a more glorious future for us all. 
Is the process scary, bewildering and uncomfortable? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure all of us have felt either one or all of those reactions in recent times. The silver lining is the growing awareness that life is changing and that it needs to change if we are to have any future security and peace in our everyday lives. Our children know it. They are taking on the role of leaders and demanding better of all of us. Many of them are wise and old souls who have incarnated at this time for this very purpose. They bring with them the skills, the knowledge and the determination to usher in the new age. They see through the blah, blah, blah of the current rhetoric and are forcing change, however excruciating slow it appears to be. So today on the programme, we're looking at an exciting scientific discovery and Peter is going to share that with us. So welcome, Peter. Thank you very much, Sophia. That's a lovely introduction. And uh, yes, it's it's about the soul explained by science. Oh, wow. That sounds mm. very exciting. As um, previously predicted. Yes. As indeed. <laughs> yes. And we also have Nigel on the team today. So what, what are you going to bring for us, Nigel? Um, Shafir, I've had a look at the latest Share International magazine, which has arrived on our shores here in New Zealand. And um, there's a very interesting point of view article here um, which is entitled An Optimistic Look at Global Action on Climate, which, of course, has been published hard on the heels of the Glasgow Summit on Climate and, of course, five years ago, the Paris Summit on Climate Change and how our governments are responding or probably not. more accurately not responding, <laughs> responding to the, the crisis. Great. Uh, we'll come back to that in a minute. Uh. Okay, so we are, as I said in, in the introduction, souls in incarnation, and Peter is going to tell us about a prediction that's actually happened. That's right, yes. Well, the prediction was by Benjamin Krim and the Master Joel Cool, who gave the Alice Bailey teaching, stated that the privilege of presenting to the world the scientific evidence proving the existence of the soul might well come from a French scientist. It wasn't entirely definite, but it will be proved. And here we have a book written by Dr. Philip Gilliman, a research engineer physicist at the French Centre for Scientific Research. And his book was called, is called The Physics of Consciousness. And um, it's an amazing sort of book because it brings together quite a lot of the esoteric words and thinking and puts it into a context of scientific discovery. Mm. And uh, a lot of the things um, he, he's written is called, he's actually um, regarded as a research um, man with computer engineering and interdisciplinary research. Mm -hmm. So um, he's involved in theoretical physics Neuroscientists, neuroscience and artificial intelligence and the new linear dynamic schemes. If you can get all that on board, you're doing very well. <laughs> no, right. How did you spell that? <laughs> <laughs> so these are sort of um, a lot of the things they're looking into. And uh, I noticed that uh, this um, man, uh, Mr. Philip um, Gulliman, is uh, bringing in... Uh, all sorts of things with regard to, we've talked a lot about the um, etheric here on this particular program, mm -hmm. and, and they 
uh, talking, he's actually talking about the um, dark matter, so-called, and he's saying that the energy of the dark matter is an incredible energy. It's more than what we've got in the sea and see in the physical, dense physical. That's right, yeah. Yes, and yeah. so this is actually um, quite surprising. But he's saying that the soul uh, is non-material and evolves out of time. Now, out of time, I think he means like beyond, beyond time. Beyond space and time. Beyond yeah. time, doesn't yes. he? And um, I, I noticed when I read the article that he talks about it as being energy and information. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And he's saying, saying it cannot be predicted by physical laws. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ensures the survival of the body and ridding it of excess disorder. Well, obviously up to a point where the body dies. But um, anyway, that's how he describes it. And it preserves the information after death. Yes, that's right. And yeah. uh, this, of course, is what we know as a soul when we're looking at esoteric science. And he's saying living systems know how to keep themselves alive and even get rid of this internal disorder. We call it the immune system, don't we? Because that's actually what it does. It sort of, you know, copes with um, whatever's, uh, ha- whatever attacks it has on, uh, on itself. Um, physics has proven that consciousness is vibrational mm-hmm. and in nature on a quantum scale. It is considered to be the source of information located outside space-time. Mm. Now, this space-time is, of course, a, a, a word and a phrase that the uh, scientists use all the time, you know, and probably came in with Spock and his team. Yes, <laughs> the space-time <laughs> continuum. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes, so um, the immaterial physics has proved that the vacuum, which is immaterial by definition, is full of energy. And so that's the, uh, I mean, some of them are saying it's 85% dark matter. Mm -hmm. And so that's a a tremendous amount of, um, we call that etheric, and the planets are coming in and going out through this dark matter. Some of them are are appearing as dense physical planets, and some are disappearing as dense physical planets, but they're still there as Mm -hmm. dark matter. Yeah. And so, so nothing's ever lost, is it? No, it just the energy changes, yeah, and, and yeah. this is really what is what it's all about. Um, his theory starts to merge with esoteric science when he relates four different levels and four different vibration rates. Mm-hmm. He says somewhere in our brain, a kind of wiring links us to the field of energies, and of course, esoteric law says that the higher mind controls and impresses the brain's activities. In fact, it is using the uh, brain as um, sort of the um, the hard drive, really, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it, and then we have it like a GPS system, don't we? Or sort of yes, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> And he's saying that consciousness must be considered primary since it is there is no objectifiable reality without consciousness. Now, that surprised me, actually, coming from a materialistic sort of viewpoint. Yeah. But he's saying if we removed all the consciousness from the universe, there cannot even be a, a universe. universe. Yeah. Now, that's just something to ponder on, isn't it? Yes. Hey? Yeah. Because, I mean, we, we haven't actually thought of that uh, phrase before or thought of that idea. Yeah. And um, this is where he closes the gap in another book, The Peak of the Spirit, which is his second book. He explains, among other things, that consciousness is alive, 
but impossible to perceive at a human level. This is the higher consciousness he's obviously mm-hmm. talking about. He says that love is the fundamental energy of the universe, like light. And uh, we know that light in the beginning was the word, and behind the word, obviously, was consciousness. Mm. Mm. It had to be. It's exciting, isn't it, that science and spirituality are coming together. You know, It is, yes. Sort of like... And uh, Benjamin Krems actually sort of commented on this in several times in different lectures that we've had and uh, things that we've read of his. And he say, says this same thing, that the two will merge. Mm. And uh, eventually the science of the seven rays will become the dominant science. Mm. Uh, This energy allows us to evolve towards a higher level of consciousness because it gives access to the universal knowledge and opens the doors of spirit. He says the connection between the self and the ego. Now, it's interesting here because the ego he's talking about is the personal ego, not the soul that um, Maitreya talks about, Mm. which is synonymous with uh, deconditioning it through three mental attitudes, detachment, which, of course, we've, we've talked, talked about, about so many so times, many times <laughs> yeah. and detachment, which leads to an inner joy. Now, Maitreya says this in many of his messages. Mm. Joy is the key. We will feel it in our inner self, you know, mm. and um, we've got to go beyond the um, physical pain, and if you like, and this joy exists forever. Well, the Buddha used to talk about that subject as well, didn't he? Yes, he did. You know, that that suffering is something that we need to be able to learn. Transcend, yes. And transcend. Yes, exactly right, yes. So um, Maitreya stresses detachment and inner joy, as we have discussed here on many occasions. To my mind, he is onto it. This scientist is onto it. Yeah. But it's a very convoluted uh, way. His explanations are far from... Um, easy to understand but um, I must say I prefer the esoteric model of the constitution of man which is easier for me to understand well because you've studied it but it's, it's interesting you know he's obviously talking in yeah. to the scientists isn't that's he right. so that's a for, physicist you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's right yeah. but the esoteric um, says uh, that we are the spark of God the monad working through a soul that uses the higher mind to impress and control the brain of the human together with the emotions and techniques that makes us who we are. Well, what's really exciting is that science has come to, has, arri- has now arrived, or humanity has now arrived, where the soul is being igno- acknowledged as a bridge between science and spirituality. Yes. Mm. And when we can start to get an understanding, Around a greater that, understanding yeah. of mm, that, then, yeah. then our education is going to, especially the education of our children. And our approach to it's life. It's going to transform. Yeah, and our approach to life, isn't it? Because, if, you know, if you just think you're a physical body and you're just going, that's it, you know, as, as many people do, you know. But if you know that your consciousness continues and that you take with you, you know, your learnings and you're, you're going to live life differently, I think. It's going to just change things. For a people. completely different attitude. Yeah. Yes, that's right. You'll mm. live life to the full, won't you? Because... Mm. Uh, and know that nothing's lost, you know. Yes, mm. yes. That's great. Fantastic. Thank you, Peter. This is the Emergence News on Plains FM. For more information, go to shareinternational.org. Okay, so let's turn to Nigel then and talk about climate. Thank you, for sh- uh, Shafia. Uh, so I'm looking at an article 
out of the latest Share International magazine, and it's uh, entitled An Optimistic Look at Global Action on Climate. Mm-hmm. The sixth intergovernmental panel on climate change, the IPCC, their report was released in August this year. The scientific community is literally yelling from the rooftops in regard to this report. The question and the conclusion they've come to is, how bad are we willing to let this get? Mm. This IPCC assessment produced about every seven years by scientists, and they represent over 100 member nations, summarise the most up-to-date and internationally accepted scientific findings on climate change and access its natural, economic, political impacts. The report states that in order to achieve the Paris Agreement goals – limiting global warming to a maximum of 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels and aiming for really 1.5 degrees Celsius, we must reach net zero CO2 emissions. The strong reductions in other greenhouse gas emissions are also required and we have little time to do it. Mm. That's including the methane methane and all that sort of stuff, isn't it? Uh, Yes, well, that's, that's very relevant here in this country as a mm. food-producing nation. On the positive side, it is still possible to forestall most of the dire impacts. That's quite a remarkable statement to come from these 100 scientists. Mm. They say, on the positive side, it is still possible to forestall most of the dire impacts, but it really requires unprecedented transformational change. Mm. All the models make it very clear that international cooperation is essential with rich countries helping poor countries cut their emissions. Back in 2007, there was an article published by Benjamin Krem in the Shear International magazine, and it stated that human actions are responsible for 80% of global warming. The article went on to say that Maitreya, the world teacher for this age, will advocate a simpler form of living, one more in keeping with the planet's situation. When enough people are convinced that this is necessary, there will be a growing movement to simplify our lives throughout the planet. And this is the interesting, I found this quite interesting, This will proceed with quite unusual speed. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? It will proceed with quite unusual speed. And if you think about the level of speed, the level of tension around us at the moment, Mm. if you you know, with the news and the level of change that is happening around us, it's happening very, very quickly. Yes, I just read an article called The Great Resignation. Have you heard? Over 4.4 million people in America have resigned from their jobs and are going seeking to live more simply. You know, it's huge amounts. Of, there's a huge amount of people that are sort of, uh, you know, sort of that's changing. Yeah. Well, that's right. And, and mm. that's a very good example of mm. millions of people being inspired by the need for change. Mm. Thus will the gravest dangers facing planet Earth be somewhat countered. Generating more substantial reasons for optimism, 
are the hundreds, perhaps thousands, of large and small-scale efforts being made by individuals and businesses around the world to reduce the use of fossil fuels and increase renewable sources of energy and sequester the carbon already in the atmosphere. Dozens of these are described in Drawn Down, which is the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming. And beyond those, every month new projects and discoveries are being reported in the Drawn Down, um, but mostly by not the mainstream media. It's usually um, through... um, alternative forms of media such as what we refer to here as Share International. And uh, several projects have been described and drawn down, demonstrating carbon being decreased by natural methods such as reforestation and forest protection, restoration of the wetlands, Mm -hmm. ocean farming, intercropping, and other techniques for soil regeneration. And do you know what one of the top... Of, um, a project drawdown said was one of the top things that they should do is educate women for for to um, protect the climate, and the reason being that when you educate women is that they stop having to, they, they don't have so many children and that they actually are the ones who are often the drivers for changing for simplifying your life and sort of recognizing that sort of. Um, you know, what is needed to be done. Mm, So I was really surprised when I saw that. I think it was number three in that project, Jordan. There'll be less wars as well. Yes, definitely, (laughs) which would be a big thing, wouldn't Mm, it? mm. Yes. Okay, so I've got a couple of of examples I'm going Mm -hmm. to give you. Uh, One example is the work of an African called Yakuba Sawadogo. Mm -hmm. And he is known in Africa as the man who stopped the desert. When terrible droughts in the 1980s brought a 20% decline in annual rainfall, large portions of the Sahel, and the Sahel is a semi-arid region of western and northern central Africa, Mm -hmm. extending from Senegal eastward to the Sudan. So there's a lot of desert in there. Large portions of this desert which um, were transformed and millions were starving at this time. What Sawadogo did, however, was he refused to leave his farm, so he had to think of new ways to farm. A long-standing practice of local farmers over there is digging shallow pits to collect and concentrate scarce rainfall at the roots of the crops. So what he did was he dug larger pits and collected more rainwater. But his greatest innovation was adding manure to the pits during this dry season. His crop yields did increase, but more importantly, trees began to sprout between his rows of crops from seeds in the manure. It's quite clever, isn't it? Mm. After several growing seasons, when the trees were a few feet high, he found that his crops were doing even better, Mm. and the trees were restoring the vitality of the degraded soil. Mm. This Mixing of crops and trees, or agroforestry, brings several benefits. The shade and the bulk of the trees protect seedlings from the searing heat and gusty winds, typical of a desert. Mm -hmm. Falling leaves serve as a mulch to boost soil fertility, and they also provide animal fodder in a season where little other food is available. 
Sawadogo eventually began to harvest some of the branches to sell for firewood, furniture making and construction, further diversifying his income. He became quite entrepreneurial, really, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> they took some aerial photos from 1975 and compared them to satellite images from 2005. So there's a 30-year gap there. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, very evident how widespread agroforestry has become in the Sahel. So that's one example. One. It's amazing to think you can actually get trees growing in a desert, isn't it? Mm. You know, sort mm. of when you think of the irrigation and things that's needed. Yes, and if you're interested yeah. in if you're interested in developments in that part of the world, mm. um, go online. And there's a great uh, uh, just type in the Great Green Belt, mm-hmm. which is um, in in this area from the west coast to the east coast of Africa, and mm. there. There's billions and billions of trees being planted. Wow. Mm. And we don't hear about it, do we? Not unless, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, I've got one more example. Um, A different kind of experimental companion farming is taking place in the oceans. Small-scale ocean farms are pioneering multiphonic aquaculture, where the anchor crops are seaweed and shellfish. In addition to providing large amounts of nutrient-rich food, they're a great team for fighting climate change. Certain types of seaweed can absorb five times more carbon dioxide Mm. from the atmosphere and water than land-based plants, and they're the fastest-growing plants in the world. Oysters also absorb carbon as well, but even more valuable is their ability to filter nitrogen out of the water. Wow. In addition, since seaweed is about 50% oil by weight, it can be used to make biodiesel for cars, trucks and planes. Mm. And unlike land-based biofuel crops like soybeans, seaweed farming doesn't require fertiliser or forest clearing, water or heavy use of fuel-burning machinery. So it has a negative carbon footprint. In fact, it often is the, the, the um, fertiliser you use it in gardens all the time. Mm, you know? mm. yeah. And, of course, we um, yeah. um, seaweed is much more accessible to be eaten now, mm. too. According to a University of California biology professor, all the world's energy needs could be met by setting aside only 3% of the world's ocean for seaweed farming. Mm. These sustainable developments that meet multiple needs addressing climate change, providing gainful employment, restoring productivity of soils, cleaning up the environment, feeding people and animals, and furnishing fuels. When the world's attention is focused squarely on restoring the environment, most likely at Maitreya's urging, when he will speak to all of us, to all of humanity, at once about our do-or-die situation. Mm. These thousands of experimental projects will become the seed forms of an entirely new way of living on Earth, as we said earlier, a more simpler way of existence on Earth. They will grow, expand and multiply, replacing the old, outworn systems that no longer serve our needs. That's great. So let's just finish with... um a message from the master, a little bit of the message from the master called the Great Mother. It says, men must realise their responsibility for the planet on which they live. Stewards, men are of a strong but sensitive organism and must protect it from harm. Few today can claim that they do this. 
On the contrary, men waste and ride roughshod over nature's generous munificence, unheedful of tomorrow of their children's needs. True it is that many are awakening to this problem, but until it is understood as the concern of all and tackled globally, little progress will be made in changing direction. You can be sure that Maitreya is not unmindful of the dangers to mankind if they ignore this pressing difficulty. He will urge men to work, everyone, for the planet's restoration and point the way to a simpler and happier life. All this information can be found on the Shear International website, www.shear-international.org. And also don't forget the podcasts, which are available on the Plains FM website. We welcome your comments, questions and feedback. Please contact us at emergencenews at gmail.com. Emergency News.